0: Welcome to V'ger Please, a hateful voyage through the Delta Quadrant. My name is Joseph. I'm Peter. Well, everybody, we appreciate you gathering around the warm internet fire to listen to good old Joseph and Peter spin you a yarn about another episode of Voyager, but we do have a bit of an announcement. Uh, This episode you're hearing right now is actually going to be our last one for just a few weeks. This is all really on me. I, my schedule has hit a bit of a time space eddy for the month of March of 2019, and my my usual time that I can invest into recording and editing the podcast is going to evaporate a little bit. Peter's going to be away, so we decided let's just we're just going to go dark for just a few weeks. This episode you'll be hearing this starting on March 7th, and then the next episode that we put out will actually come out on April 4th. That's our that's our schedule. Uh, so we appreciate your patience and understanding that, you know, this is a ha- hobby for us. So sometimes hobbies got to go on the shelf for a short amount of time while we deal with other stuff. And thank you, Peter, for being uh, uh, understanding about it. I'm not
1: going to lie. I'm, I'm a little I'm a little bummed out that and I never thought I would say this before that <laughs> I'm going to have to skip watching Voyager for a few weeks. You know, this is part of our my ritual it has been part of my ritual for the past year is always watching 14 months yeah A star trek episode for better or for worse so i don't know uh hopefully whatever we're gonna watch after this is really good so we've got something juicy to jump back into but um yeah i'll be in cancun so <laughs> <laughs> i'll somehow like- i'll somehow find a way to distract myself on the beach with all that beautiful green blue water and
0: Oh, I will remind kiela. you, Peter, I will remind you the last time you went on a vacation and there was a heavy amount of drinking involved, you found Star Trek stuff and then bragged about how you had a podcast, so I'm saying if over the intervening weeks that we're going to be uh, on vacation there should be some social media posts on your part about something that you did that embarrassed yourself in regards to the podcast or you find some strange Star Trek bar or something we're counting I'll tell you what. You. I'll tell you
1: what, man, when the Mexican cartel's Kidnap my gringo ass and ransom me back to my family. <laughs> I will try my damnedest to turn as many of my ski-masked kidnappers into listeners as possible.
0: It could be how you escape. They just realize that there's nothing they could do that would torture you more, <laughs> and, and and they they just have to let you go. They're like, this man's too serious for us. He's he's watched ex post facto.
1: Oh, I'll
0: tell you. So we're going through on the
1: vijer please trauma support group and i've thrown up two polls so far so we can have our the people participating in the forums make their own votes as to what their favorite and uh, what the worst episodes were for season one two and then we wrap up three we'll get those up Uh, and like i said man time heals all wounds i've gone back and listened to our season one and season two rips so I could refamiliarize myself with the heroes and villains of the season. And there are some real stinkers I kind of forgot about or looked the other way on in light of some of the other garbage <coughs> Q and Gray. Voyager is an interesting thing, but it's growing on me more and more.
0: <laughs> like like a cyst. <laughs> it continues to grow on you, yeah. causing, causing discomfort wherever it goes. Symbiosis, yes. This week, what is Creeping Cyst? What is its name? Season three, episode 13, Fair Trade. So I guess I'm, I'm gauging in a little bit of hyperbole on my part because I genuinely and deeply enjoyed this episode. This was some really good taking its time, character building, Star Trek, and I have a lot of positive things to say about it. Peter, what's, what was your initial thoughts about it? I love this fucking episode top to bottom. Hey, hey, look at us. Look at us. We're je- we're we're in agreement. This is good. It's good. This is a good note to take a break on, my man. I, I like don't it.
1: think that there is anything bad I can say about this episode. Um and I've tried really hard. I have maybe at the most half a page of notes and it was it was storytelling top shelf for Voyager. The direction was good. Characters were all fleshed out and good. And what I liked about this was it made the Delta Quadrant feel lived in. There are some great sets. Yes. There's some awesome looking aliens all over the place. And it it's a story that involves the Starfleet crew that doesn't focus on the Starfleet crew. And I think it's just a huge service to Neelix fleshing out his history and reinforcing the belief that star Trek is about good people who do the right thing.
0: You've rung pretty much every single bell with everything you just had to say. Uh, I never before I would, did I think I would say what a great Neelix episode that was, but it, it truly is a, a great episode that utilizes Neelix in a way that makes you like him and connect with him and shows character growth on his part, which is a feat all on its own. But beyond that, this is the very first time that we have a Voyager episode that makes the Delta Quadrant feel alien and remote and different, and that Voyager's kind of stranded it. I mean, here we are, we're halfway through the third season of the show. And it is amazing to me that we've never had a shot of Voyager at an alien space station before. You know, like it's always feels so sterile and safe and that Voyager's just going from planet to planet on a wacky adventure. But this gave a different feel. And you said lived in. And I think that's a fantastic way to phrase it. And the ambiance of the episode combined with what I thought was a really clever directorial choice. Uh, And how the episode is focused as essentially a POV episode from Neelix that carries the story in a way that's much deeper and I think more sophisticated uh, than the normal ship-in-a-bottle nonsense that we often get in the sort of middling to D-plus episodes that Voyager often shits at on us. Yes. And it was striking. And so much so that I, still, I looked up everybody that was involved in directing and writing yes. this thing. And it, was, and it was all a different kind of crowd that was involved. And it fucking showed. What, when's the last time you think you saw this episode? Ooh, uh, not, not recently enough. I remember, I remember the major story beats very well. I didn't remember how well it was made. So probably 15 years.
1: So this wasn't like a standout. Oh, I really love this episode. I'm excited to dig back in.
0: Yeah, you're right. You're absolutely right. I just couldn't remember how good it was. I just remembered the plot points.
1: Do you think that the episode was, I mean, obviously we know how good it is. We just watched it. Do you think maybe it's a type of thing that's lost on a younger viewer? Or do you think maybe it was a thing that kind of stood out as a, not a slam dunk back in 1997, but by 2019 standards,
0: like, Hey, this, uh, this has was ahead of its time. Maybe. This is clearly a Star Trek episode that rewards a Star Trek fan, and by a Star Trek fan, I mean somebody who likes to get their sink their teeth in the things that appreciates the DS Nine kind of uh, long term story arc. You know, maybe feel. that's maybe that's
1: why they don't really do a lot of Voyager docked at space stations because DS Nine was a story about a space station running at the same time.
0: You're probably right. Uh, I And I certainly understand why it is that they might want to steer away from doing too much of it. If I were them, I too would not want my show to look too much like the other show. Do you remember, I think it was a Next Gen
1: episode, and it might have been the one where they found out that Spock was on Vulcan. And at some point, the Enterprise had to go to a ship graveyard. Yep, that was that episode. Yep. I kind of got like the feeling of that because I really liked in that next gen episode was that unification part one. Yes. I really like seeing what is out there past the benevolence of Starfleet and the Federation of Planets. How do private industries run? How does Starfleet interact with things where it doesn't have jurisdiction and domain and they're just another customer, even though you've got a galaxy class starship that is the flagship of the Federation. They still have to wait in line like everybody else. And and I got a strong vibe off of that in this episode, and I really liked it.
0: I think more so this episode delivers on isolation. But I mean, it wasn't so much. Uh, I'm trying to find the right way to phrase this, and it's a little weird. It's not like this episode is all about the Federation getting fucking picked on. Mm hmm. It was more that the Delta Quadrant's kind of a, a rowdy place and the Federation is very buttoned down and voyagers representing flying the Federation flag and they're representing that belief structure, but the rest of the Delta Quadrant doesn't give a fuck. And is that like Voyagers? Ch- you know like uh, went out there and stopped a bunch of intergalactic drug deals and did a bunch of fucking good and then bounced? Um, they didn't really do anything right like the crime shit's still happening bad shit's still going down and Voyager really can't do anything about it and i like that 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 was kind of the backdrop that they're just gonna have to try and just give through some shit yeah and and that's ultimately what we see here but let's let's get into it i mean hey sorry guys there's gonna be a lot of less of uh, fart jokes uh, and fucking us kicking this one in the dick and, and uh, toxic <laughs> hatred <laughs> Yeah, not, not as much intoxication this time. This one's just fucking good. This filthy space cat delivers. Already mentioned it, but right out the the jump, I want to to point out that this this episode reminded me of Eye of the Needle in one important way, and that it had a very cinematic story structure decision that was made early. So in Eye of the Needle, we see that story through two specific lenses. We see it through the lens of uh, Harry, Kim, and, and Torres, and then we see it through uh, Tuvok and Janeway, and they are two pairs, one of which is very hopeful about getting home, and one that is a is a doubtful of getting home. And they play off each other as they go through that episode. In this episode, it also makes a very clear cinematic choice in that we see everything aside from one scene entirely from uh, Neelix's perspective, So it's essentially only what he knows is what we see. It's not a usual like, hey, cut away to Janeway and -and so-and-so having a discussion. That's sort of there isn't a lot of that. There's just a little bit of that in just one area, just to establish some background facts. Otherwise, we're we're locked into Neelix's perspective and who he deals with as he goes through this. And that's very rare for this show. Because it's it's uh, it's a more sophisticated storytelling technique to decide to keep your audience a little bit in the dark about what everyone's doing, which ultimately it does, because we're not seeing them, you know, in different scenes and that sort of thing. We're staying completely focused on where Neelix is in the story. They also don't do storytelling
1: hints through camera work like sometimes. You know, I, I meet you and I say, hey, uh, I need your help with something, old pal. Can you give me a hand? And you go, sure, Peter, because I'm here for you. And then you leave as we're about to, you know, cut to commercial. And the camera zooms in on my eyes as I'm squinting and they play some severe ass music. And the viewer at home is like, oh, Peter's a rotten fuck. And he's about to double cross Joe. <laughs> <laughs> There's none of that in this episode. So you don't know which way the story is going to ultimately go. And it surprises me a few times,
0: which I appreciate. It does. Uh, we start out with Neelix um, in, a, in a couple different scenes in sequence, clearly attempting to do more things around the ship. Um, he starts by trying to tag along with Tuvok on doing security rounds and on, He's a total on.
1: dick, by the way. Like, Tuvok completely dismisses him. And if you jump back to the space detective cat, where he ends yes. up kicking fucking uh, Jonas into space hell. Yes. Tuvok should know that Neelix is a pretty
0: good detective. He certainly figured out his secret plot to put Tom Paris on the uh, Maquis shi- Or not the Maquis ship. The- the Kazon ship. I mean, like, if he's smart enough to figure out Tuvok's sweet, like, uh, you know, double agent move. Maybe you mm-hmm. should think that he would uh, have some talent potentially as like a a good in a good cop, bad cop interrogation situation. Mm-hmm.
1: Then he's with Torres, who he's trying to, you know, learn about the work court. And Torres is kind of a dick. And you would think that Torres would be cool because uh, she should know that. Neelix does know a thing or two, by the fact that he kind of set them on the right path to break the transwarp barrier.
0: Yeah, part of one of his many uh, uh little conversations he's had uh, with people in the mess hall that has magically inspired them. Although it's not the only time. Remember, Torres got magical inspiration from from him when he she was working on her Gimp suit robot. Yeah, but I guess we want to forget that. We don't want to make we don't want that. We don't want to remember that happened. So what's going on here is. Neelix is
1: starting to get scared that his usefulness is drawing to a close because the main function he has on the ship uh, is a guide to the Delta Quadrant. And we'll find out a little bit later that they are reaching the end of Neelix's known space. And he is afraid that once they pass this point, he is not going to be able to be the yelp of the Delta Quadrant anymore. And he is not going to have a place on the ship, which is going to result in his uh, ejection from the ship i'm going to jump into memory alpha here real quick this episode was supposed to take place in the first season and ultimately it got pushed back because they wanted to do jatrell instead which was another neelix episode where we find out about the terrible um mass weapon of destruction that was used on the moon of his home that janeway fucking phoned in the most weakest shit award winner
0: uh season one (laughs) triple half-assed uh effort to to save hundreds of thousands of nuked people Millions almost worked and then we're like well you know we can try again but i gotta go wash my hair so all of these people have to stay dead yolo like yeah (laughs) in this
1: i understand why a lot of the people are hot not hostile but dismissive of his previous shown talents And also a deeper – one of the few criticisms I can levy at this is that Neelix should understand he's worth more to the crew at this point because it's been three years. I think that this held in a season one mindset before he's really gone through some of the major things he's gone through with this crew. You can understand that maybe he doesn't really understand things and would have this fear.
0: You know, no, I want to – I want to give a little bit more rope on that. I I actually uh, completely understand why even now in in the middle of season three, he might have that in his mind. And that's because when you have this kind of insecurity that he clearly has and he's you've lived the life that he's lived. Yeah, it's been a good couple of years. But you have that gnawing thing in the back of your mind that says I'm useless, I'm worthless, or this is a transactional relationship or whatever your damage is. Yeah. And and that never goes away. And that's a very real thing. And I totally bought that. Yeah, he had this lingering th- feeling in the back of his mind that he needed to, to make himself more useful in more ways and was dreading having to cop to the fact that he didn't know anything about the the rest of the journey that voyager was taking i i buy it
1: what's cool about neelix is if we take him out of the clown shoes that we often see him in and we put neelix on paper we put what could be new jack neelix uh and that's certainly something that gets touched on in this you know we spent that entire what was that resistance you know making fun of uh neelix's new york crack dealer career Uh, but it's real he he was a a bad guy well not but maybe i'm not a bad guy but you know he has a shady past and it's very real in this episode
0: yeah Um, he was he was a smuggler i mean given that and in in this episode he's basically facilitating a deal in space meth yeah he is a go-getter and he
1: is a hustler and rather than sit there and be victimized and be, you know, fates a, a, a subject of fate. He instead buckles down and says, I need to stay on this. What can I do to make myself critical? So I appreciate the hustle he's putting in here to try and reinvent himself on the ship rather than suffer a consequence of um, that he's fearing. And I, like you're saying, I don't know if it's a low self esteem that the character is supposed to suffer or. If he is motivated by the trauma of knowing that it sucks to be adrift in space in your little hobo trash ship eating scraps and cockroaches and whatever else is around until you're able to make ends meet and buy your next meal. Well, did
0: you notice, by the way, when Neelix was in engineering, they they make sure to have a few separate scenes where, you know, you're dealing with Ensign Vorik, the Vulcan. yeah. So this
1: guy, Vork, we get introduced, his first point of order is to try to correct Chief Engineer Torres on what tool she should be using for the job. And this Vork guy has the worst Vulcan haircut of all time and this ill-fitted ass suit. It's very clear they're building him into a secondary character, which I certainly appreciate. You know, yeah, I yeah, I,
0: my, my wife was watching this and the third time he shows up and is like, clearly has dialogue and is is somebody that is, is supposed to be a guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, she she just was like, hey, audience, audience, this guy's important. Keep this guy in mind. He's important. No, who is this guy supposed to be? This was supposed to be Ensign Tarek from Lower Decks, who's played oh, by the same yeah. guy. Is? No. Yes. Yes. This is played by Alexander Enberg, who played in the sixth season. Uh, oh, I know. Seven season Lower Decks, where he was the Vulcan who was part of that little little crew of job doers on TNG, one of the best episodes of TNG. This was supposed to be that guy.
1: I saw him get mentioned in Memory Alpha, and I skipped that entire article because I don't want to know. It. I figure it's going to have spoilers or something about him. It's totally his voice. I hear it plain as day in my head. I mean, that's got to be a couple years after TNG's out, so everybody changes a little bit. Um, but that's now two characters that they have made part of the Voyager crew that were old TNG guys, and yet again, was it a name change so they could uh, sidestep
0: copyright? Yeah, fucking royalty payout. Just exactly. You know, the same reason as to why they couldn't use uh, Locano instead of instead had to make it basically another version of him to be Tom Paris. Uh, if they use Tarek in this episode, then they would be paying uh, the writers of Lower Decks for every episode that he appeared in Voyager. Man, let so- me tell you what, like
1: doing it with just the Tom Paris treatment is One thing, but when you as a show and a franchise start making a habit of plundering your own characters, doing this bullshit name swap just so you could pirate your own work, it starts getting pretty shitty.
0: One thing to know that probably won't surprise you. uh, Alexander Imberg is Jerry Taylor's son. Is that the actor? Yes. Well, you know what? Good on him. Yeah, I mean, um, he does a good job of being Vulcan. I mean, I'm not saying that he didn't pull it off, but
1: guess I love lower deck. Shame on me for not recognizing this guy. I mean, that's a real black mark on my record. and I'm going to have to bear that shame. But uh, th- that guy already proved himself in TNG. I got no shades of nepotism here, man. I'm, I'm glad they were able to bring that in. and Knowing that's who it's supposed to
0: be makes this episode all the better in my mind. They reach this part of space called the Necrit Expanse. It's a big nasty looking space rash and Neelix says he doesn't know much about what's uh, going on in there except that it's dangerous but he does know there's a space station nearby but they start to play up that his memory is a little foggy he doesn't know where it is but fortunately the sensors find it and they head over to it uh, this guy named uh Barat is the administrator of it it's not very clear if he like works for someone or for a planet or if he like owns it or what uh, but uh, this guy is just a real fucking chowder head butthole, and he, along with uh, essentially all the other aliens we're gonna see in this episode, have some great fucking makeup going on. I I don't know if you noticed, but in the background as we're as they start going through this space station, there's actually some greatest hits of back of of uh, aliens past. You see lurking in the background like some reuse of makeup ideas. Like there's a there's a tack tack. From just the last episode in the shot, is he doing weird gestures? Uh, no, he was kind of like, well, yeah, it was bent over. Uh, I don't know if he was really doing a gesture, but he was in kind of in the background. There was uh, some of the like aliens that were like just kind of one shots, but like partially in episodes, you saw him kind of wandering around. Uh, I went back through the scene to look. They they sprinkled some in. No, when they get on the space station my attention was drawn to the
1: set. Like I saw the variety of aliens and the makeup look good, but the set itself looked really cool. It's like this low ceiling, industrial, heavy girder, deep, long hallway. And at first I thought it might have been a reuse of one of the Kazon Nistrum ships because of how low the ceiling was. But I saw Alpha that this. This This was actually the same set for the shoot. They just redressed it and then they put up some uh, blue screens in the background so they could mirror the scene digitally and make the the area look more open and really add
0: some depth and life to this thing. Uh, I I completely agree. I love how they I I definitely see how that that was the set they reused. Like now that you say that I I can see the kind of grunge feel of it. They're very similar to that. Uh but uh they kind of make it look like a dirty Babylon five. That's yeah. what I was think- thinking kinda goes the vibe I got off of it. It was like this is the version of Babylon five that's like in the bad part of town where you get your 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 cell phone cards. You know, you know? what
1: this reminded me of was Everquest One, the Freeport Merchant Trader Area where you used yeah, to be able to like, just, bring your character, yeah, that, oh,
0: that that Just that long hallway yeah, <laughs> where and everything was.
1: And it's dirty, and this is not Deep Space Nine where there's civilization and entertainment and fine dining. This is a commerce floor where there's people who might as well be standing around like bales of straw just hustling and trading stuff because this is the fringe of civilization before you get into this weird nebula. Nobody really knows what's going on in there. Nobody scrupulous is, is in this area. What I like when they were approaching this, and this was um, kind of a a plea of desperation out of Neelix when you knew what was going on. They're like, hey, what's going on in that? And Neelix is like, that's bad news in that nebula. I suggest we go around it. And I forget if it was Jacote or Tuvok. They're like, no way, man. This thing's like light years, like hundreds of light years wide. Thousands. That would, thousands of light years. That would add a ton of time on our trip, which is obviously Neelix wanting to extend his usefulness But they're not having they're going to push through it. So, yeah, this this is a very Oregon Trail uh, utilitarian trading outpost. And this uh, administrator who's super paranoid when Janeway finally has her meeting with the station administrator, he's just bouncing back and forth between security cameras, just up in everybody's shit. Because the rule on the station is this dude gets a 20 percent cut
0: of everything. He Which, is not when good. you have a, when you have a monopoly, like hell yeah, I mean you know might as well uh, get get your space cheddar while you can. And I, it's uh, really cool that. to see like these space logistics. These ships are not you
1: know self contained cities. They need supplies. They need this. How did the station get out there? Who built it? Who originally? What was the original purpose? Was it repurposed off of something else? I think there's a lot of rich history to tell on this, and it's neat that they don't spell it out
0: explicitly. And you can kind of let your mind wander. But you get a feel for it. Like, they don't tell you, but you kind of, like, see it, and the visuals tell you a story. And we have praised before, and I will not uh, ever spare the opportunity to praise again, the show when it allows the, the viewer's intelligence to be honored in such a way. They get onto the station, they start to try and do deals, and... We do have the scene where Janeway has the conversation with the administrator where he insists on the 20%. And then Paris and Chakotay actually uh, get accosted by a merchant while they're uh, they're wandering around. And uh, it's straight up a guy who's attempting to sell them space meth. It's even like blue crystals in a little vial. Mm-hmm. Seeing how high high as shit. Take this space meth. You'll be high for seven days. You won't even know what a fuck you are. What what's uh
1: what's the drug in Fallout? There's
0: jet. Jet is the drug.
1: Yeah, but yeah, it, it's it's space rock. Uh this is good for your warp engines and your nose. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so you get the CD feel right off the bat with the yeah. with the drug dealer. I mean that's And Chakotay's they're... all
1: like no, damn it, I told you no. I only get high with hand vibrators. Fuck off, little man.
0: <laughs> yeah, only if it's religious. Now, now get out. Can I
1: point out on Chicote that it's been a long time since he's really pissed me off? And f- listening back on our season one and two rips, uh, his character's really come a long way. And I'm sure we're doing for some mopey, whiny, neckbeard stuff. But I think recently, <laughs> I, as hard as we've shit on him in the past, I think he's done a good job of portraying the character without just blending in like he's had flavor, but it's just been appropriate for what we need to see out of his role.
0: Last episode was good for him because it was a him in command in a way that was just credible off the cuff. Mm. But man, he's got a lot to make up for after the shitty house on the prairie. Like after trying to the lady Janeway for 45 minutes, I, uh, listen, he's going to need to, he's needed to show me something here and we need to steer far away from any more backstory adventures. I'm just with saying
1: him. his progress report is looking promising as all. I'm not saying he's forgiven of all past sins, but
0: the work is being noted. It's moving from unacceptable to needs improvement. <laughs> uh, so, uh, while they're on the, uh, station, uh neelix is looking for a map and he's told like are you crazy there ain't gonna be any map of this expanse because it's too unstable uh when he runs into a fellow talaxian named uh wixaban who he calls wix they are obviously well acquainted with each other and uh, have a have a happy reunion go to have a have a drink and uh, we get some backstory from between the two of them. It makes it clear that these two were doing dirt together. And Wix took uh, the fall for a deal gone bad with some people named the Ubians. And
1: it's, it's
0: never clear what they were dealing exactly, but it was clearly illegal. And it was enough that Wix landed in prison after he got caught. And he kind of like rolled on the whole beef so that neelix got away here's what i love about wicks
1: we established that he and neelix were shady dudes Mm -hmm. neelix has demonstrated that he is not the same person he used to be and wicks states that he has changed as well and that they both want to do better Neelix talks about how he's got all these great roles on Voyager and how lucky he is and how there's even talk of him being an ambassador, which was initially brought up on um, macroism or whatever.
0: Macrocosm. That. Yeah, yeah.
1: Aliens. I'm glad, again, that they're building off of previous episodes and we're getting so much more continuity between episodes now in season three than we ever saw in in seasons one and two. I don't know if that's Jerry Taylor over Michael Pillar or what's going on there, but I like it. Um, and Wix kind of puts him through this guilt trip and he's like, you know, I'm glad that you've had this cushy fucking space hotel you've been living in. I've been stuck here. They impounded my ship and shit sucks, but you know what? I've been trying. And like I was saying before, there's never a, a zoom in to Wix making shifty face or like fingering a knife while uh, Neelix is looking the other direction. You don't know if this guy genuinely has tried to reform his ways or if he is just waiting for his chance to exact revenge
0: or fuck Neelix over. They definitely do a good job of portraying him in a neutral way at first and that he is somebody that did Neelix a solid in taking the fall for whatever dirt that they were doing before. Ultimately, they kind of get in business with each other again because uh, the ship is on the hunt for a, a relatively rare uh, commodity. I forget what the unobtainium is exactly. And of course, Neelix wants to get a map and Wix lays out, hey, um, I can do this for you, but I actually need your help because I have some medical supplies I want to move. And I want to keep this shit on the DL, moving it from place to place. And uh, you have access to shuttlecraft. They got these crazy teleporter thingies that would make this super easy. So you help me. I'll get you everything you need. I avoid having to pay 20% to the boss man. And we're all winners. He frames and- it real cute too.
1: This is medical supplies for colonists who are needy. pulling the heartstrings. And the key element to this is is the desire to obfuscate don't let anybody know not because we're doing anything shady mind you No, it's i'm really hard up for money i need to get my ship out of impound and my selfishness in this is that if this dude takes his 20 percent, i won't be able to afford it and all i want to do is get the fuck out of here and go to the nearest talaxian colony so um i can quit being miserable prisoner not prisoner but you know stuck
0: it, it is a perfectly reasonable reach. Like it is clearly a little beyond the, the Federation ideal. Cause he's going to have to not quite share the whole truth, but and just a little bit of a reach such that you, you could expect someone who like, like Neelix, who is clearly feeling some emotional vulnerability as to his usefulness to the ship to be like, well, I can get some solid wins for, for Voyager by getting a map and an Obtanium they need. And all I got to do is like basically like beam us to a couple different spots and we're done. That's, that's, that's an easy W. I'll do it. Things unravel quickly. Once they start to do to the dirt, um, Wix grabs a, a Gat before they decide to go back to the space station with whatever the medical supplies are. P-pause and here. it turns out that they're very clearly selling space meth to the space meth dealer.
1: Yeah, so Neelix gets permission to just take a Type 6 shuttlecraft off Voyager and go do whatever. No one bats an eye because
0: they trust him. Yeah, They
1: trust let And let's, let's jump back out of this episode for a second. There is no point anywhere in this episode where I can point to something and say, this was stupid. Why did they do it? Neelix very often is a fucking moron, needlessly wandering off in dangerous places and getting fucked up, or dangerous cheese that you know cripples the ship, or having or grabbing the space
0: cake and taking it to the bridge, having Hogan stand on the X
1: in front of uh, the Jack in a Box (laughs) space worm. I got him killed. Yeah, you did. And in this episode, he. You know, he gets in some hot water and I, I look at the end of it and I say, was this a reasonable situation for him to get in? Did he do something stupid? And it all starts off so innocent. It's like you're saying that there is. Like any good crime movie, you know, just the guy who didn't mean to get in so deep and before he knows it, he's, you know, owes space mafia. That, that's the story they're telling here. And I don't think that there's any point where he really makes a blatantly stupid decision that I couldn't have seen myself making. When they have this Type Six shuttlecraft and they drive off to go pick up what he thinks is space medicine, yeah, they're flying back to the station. He's like, "All right, we're gonna go do this uh, meeting with what the hell is this guy's name? Uh, ba Tosin, I think. Tosin is the uh, the bad guy gangster that he ends up dealing. No, 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 no. That's that's deeper. in. Sutak is the blue face guy. Yeah, and like Wix just goes in this random little glove box on the ship and pulls this phaser out. That's just laying there on its side. Like how does, how does Wix know there's a gun in there and why is there even a gun in there to start off with? That seems like some real sloppy operational security, but you know what? Under Tuvix or Tuvix, Tuvix had his shit together under that clown Tuvok, who just gets stolen left and right. Yeah, I guess, um, you know, just rando guns laying around the place.
0: Aren't that stretch of the imagination. So they wind up in this uh, shady drug deal, and the shady drug deal goes wrong when the buyers try and jump Wix and Neelix. Wix busts out his phaser and immediately fucking just wastes the drug dealer, just kills the shit out of him, and uh, gets uh, Neelix to beam him back onto the shuttlecraft. They. Get back on the shuttlecraft and Neelix is like, no, fuck you. I can't believe you just got me involved in a drug deal. This is not some shit that I wanted to do anymore. Whatever I owed you I'm not new Jack Neelix anymore. That's behind me now. My new Jack Neelix days
1: are dead. I wasn't wearing the
0: coat, damn it. (laughs) (laughs) Unless I am dealing for warp crack rock, that shit does not leave the closet. That's for emergency cases only. I, I I did not have this available to me. And as a consequence, I was not prepared to do illegal drug deals. What if the new Jack Neelix coat is like
1: an alien symbiote, like Venom? And once he puts that on, he's, yes, we are ready to get out and sell space drugs. We will make much money, many credits to be had, many fools to get
0: dusted. (laughs) Um, Wix convinces uh, Neelix to not talk about what happened by by playing on his insecurities and saying, listen, if you tell your captain what that you just tried to deal space myth, she's going to fucking kick you out. Like, you're already worried that you're at, you're on the fucking end of your rope with their usefulness. How much worse is it going to be if you also let them know you started dealing space rock? Or so- so that you were. I
1: mean, he basically threatens to out all of Neelix's dirty. You're not just a fuzzy, lovable space cat. You are new Jack Neelix. Like, you've got some real history and you have sold yourself under false pretense to all of these Federation dummies that when they find out who you were and what you were, uh that's gonna be the end of it. You you were worried before, just wait till I get done with it.
0: Yeah, that that's uh that's what comes into play later, that explicit threat. Mm. This is just a war, hey, don't tell anybody because they think they can kind of get away with having, you know, murdered somebody, but guess what? Turns out the asshole in charge doesn't like it when people get murdered on a space station. And, uh, the super science is able to determine that a Federation phaser was used to do it. And Janeway's on the hunt for the responsible party. Neelix knows there's a fucking guilty finger. that's going to be pointed right in his direction and starts looking rather anxious as he goes through the next series of scenes. And including a conversation with Tuvok where Tuvok is, is wanting to talk to Wix as somebody who had visited the ship earlier and potentially had access to to getting a phaser. And that is where uh, he has another sit-down with Wix after Tuvok asks his questions and and is like, uh, yo, uh, you're going to get caught. There's no way that they're not going to... There's no way we're leaving this place without them finding who's responsible for wasting that guy. Your lies aren't going to work. And he's like, oh, uh, actually, uh, we got other things we got to do, including... um, me paying back my drug dealer that I was fence fencing the goods for Loved because it. El Polo Hermanos uh, needs to get paid and yeah. they're
1: coming. <laughs> yeah. That wasn't our money. We lost, by the way, that was the scarier Uber bosses. And that's where this uh, two things that could have gone for here. One, how does Tuvok have his initial questioning of Neelix in regards to Wix and not see the guilt stamped to Neelix's face plain as fucking day.
0: The continued incompetence of Tuvok as a security specialist uh, astounds me. If anything, uh, if I am Tuvok, this would have been a perfect opportunity to be like, you know this guy, so let's, let's run some game to see if he's responsible, and... And yeah, what's with this like, cold
1: feet that like before you're saying, hey, you want to be security, now I'm saying let's be security, and you're trying to back out. There's uh, no,
0: there's uh, there's potential depth there that could have been very cool in how Neelix decides to respond and and potentially even try and manipulate uh Tuvac, or there's there's things there. There's there was, there was there was there was potential, and they just kind of punted on all of it
1: potential takes time though and something we'll talk about later there were a lot of cut scenes out of this episode because they needed time for the main story and i think on the greater list of hierarchy of sins of things that could have happened in this scene uh, certainly this tuvok deception was low on that the other thing voyager shows up at a place people die to federation technology this would have been a good Call back to Delta Quadrant next door, and the ship of death has docked. And lo and behold, here is Voyager, and here is you know, fucking murder. the The Skevians were right; these guys are shit. They bring woe and misery with them wherever they go. And we should have denied docking
0: permissions. Shame on us. The next series of scenes, I think, can be described as sort of uh, Neelix's moral journey, uh, because what he ends up doing is going first to Tom Paris uh, and then after that uh, uh, having a kind of conversation with with Vorik and then kind of facing down the idea of s- essentially stealing from Voyager to make good on the drug deal debt and I think it's very effectively done he goes to Tom he essentially finally broaches the question of like, how did you get put in jail? I love this. And Tom says like, you know, ultimately the reason I wound up in the situation I was in is because I didn't tell the truth. And I think this is interesting from Tom's perspective, because this is obviously backstory we've had from the beginning and it hasn't been talked about really since goes to your continuity uh, point from earlier. Mm -hmm. But he says like, I made a mistake and mistakes happen. People make mistakes. But the problem was, instead of telling the truth about the fact that I made this mistake, I decided to lie about it, and that's what essentially ruined my life.
1: What Tom says is, look, Neelix, I'd love to tell you how I ended up in prison. But unfortunately, if I do that, certain third parties may feel that they are entitled to royalties from those events. (laughs) And I have to go through the Starfleet character witness protection program and change my name so that Nick, look, I mean, uh, that other person may never be spoken of again. I like this. N- Neelix and Tom have had a developing bromance for a while. I was really hoping that Neelix was going to turn to him in a time of need and say, look, dude, I need your help bad on this. I'm supposed to steal uh, warp plasma. Uh, I'm supposed to pull a sesca here and, and take Federation resources it and give it to these uh, these space savages uh, or they're going to cut my balls off and feed them to me. Please help with your prison antics. <laughs> you've already been to the prison once. <laughs> I'm sorry. You've already been... in
0: jail. How do I jail? <laughs> Tell Is it me true? I have to kill someone first... levels when you went to space jail with Harry Kim. I know you've got all kinds of tips for me. Mm hmm.
1: How how does one go about finding an appropriate uh, space jail murder pipe? (laughs) Tell me your secrets. Hey, man, what if uh, what if we still had Lon Suter? And like that would have been the first place to look like Uh, I'm having this meeting because someone has gone on the station and killed somebody in cold blood. Now, Lon, I don't want to finger point, but where were you last (laughs) night?
0: (laughs) Lon, Lon is just like offended. He's like. My God, anyone gets murdered within a three parsec radius from me. Yeah. All of a sudden, there's fingers being forced. You you brain one a Starfleet officer in engineering and throw his body into a plasma incinerator, and you just can't escape it. I didn't see any of your high and mighty
1: you know, morals when you needed me to kill a bunch of space bugs. Hey, listen, I murdered
0: the shit out of all the Kazon in engineering for the right reasons.
1: Hey, I, I want to. This, this is a side topic. So Neelix is supposed to be stealing plasma. Um, and it reminded me of something. The episode where they end, it's the shoot, right? The the unobtaining, not the unobtaining, but like the prob, the, the doodad the terrorists had was what, trilithium? Was that what they were making their bombs out of?
0: I, yeah, trilithium.
1: So it's trilithium. And they get, they kind of finger point because they say, we know Federation ships, you know, we read that energy signature and clearly it was your guys involved with it. And that's it, case closed. I was watching um, Starship Mine, the old TNG episode with the Baryon buildup sweep. Remember that episode? Yeah. Where where it's Picard on the ship with terrorists. I always thought they were hijacking the ship, but like going back and rewatching it. Those guys were there to steal waste byproduct off the engine core which was actually trilithium so they could sell it to terrorists for bombs. So that was a really cool callback and shoot to use that. And that's what I thought they were going to go in this episode was that they wanted trilithium off the engine core. So these space gangsters had bomb material, but it was just, um, yeah, they want plasma to make their ships go faster or whatever. Well, regardless
0: of why they want it, the real moral conundrum for Neelix here is Does he Cross, essentially the... The, probably the un, unforgivable barrier of actually stealing from Voyager to do it. And as you might expect, he chooses not to. And he goes back to, to Wix to say, I'm not doing it. I can't bring myself to steal. I've got a different plan. Let's, let's figure out something we can do. And in that moment, he and Wix observe Tom and commander Chakotay actually being arrested for killing the space meth dealer. The reason for that being that uh, they had been taped, like having a conversation with them. It's super flimsy. Janeway's obviously like that's super flimsy. And the guy's <laughs> just like, well, I don't care because I'm the boss here and I'm going to do. I have I to want. have
1: something to show for it. This is my favorite part of the whole episode. I think this is where we come to a huge fork in the road. First of all, we have the time honored tradition of, um, Chicot, well, not necessarily Chicote, but Paris going into space jail. Yep. Uh, and we don't know what's happening exactly because Neelix goes empty handed. Says Wix, "I'm not doing this." And then Wix is like, "Well, I think I've got a plan." And I, I thought for a minute that Wix had ratted out um, Chicote and Paris with doctored footage, and he was going to throw these Voyager dudes under the bus to try and sidestep all these murder charges from the station administrator. So I didn't know if this was Wix's plan that they got arrested. And Neelix is like, we're just going to go and tell the truth. And that's my plan. And at this point they've really established Wix as a, a shitty person. And I did not think that he was going to be willing to go along with a plan where he admits to murder and throws himself at the mercy of a
0: guy who's basically held him captive for the past two years. I think the the what they're trying to portray here is that this was just a happy coincidence for as far as Wix's perspective is concerned. Yes. And that he, I don't think he necessarily had a plan, uh, a plan B aside from his original emotional blackmail of Neelix to try and do the plasma deal. Mm-hmm. But this is where the episode takes a, Turn and leans into the changes that Neelix has undergone as a from a character on a more fundamental level. Clearly, he's gone through the... I am anxious about my place on the ship. I want to stay here. I want to provide and be useful. And, I, you know, I feel the sense of belonging and all of that has all been kind of something we know from him. But another part of his character has been his cowardice. Yes. And the Jatrell episode was, like, key to making it clear that Neelix is a coward. He ran away from fighting and that is That choice has haunted him that when faced with having to fight for his people's freedom against an oppressive force, he's like, nah, I'll just go AWOL and try and just run for my life. Right? He is not a, 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 a courageous person, but this, this final act of the episode is like, his magnum opus of going, I know I have fucked up and the way I'm going to redeem myself is by putting myself in horrific moral, mortal danger to save the lives of not only, you know, Tom and, and, and chicote but also like my, my sense of morality and belonging. And if I die going down like this, I'm cool with it.
1: Yeah, so here's the plan. They go to the station administrator and say, "Yeah, we killed that drug dealer. Here's why we did it. By the way, there is these um these gangsters who are Colati. They're the Colati collodi- Colati traders. These dudes look like punk rock ugly lizard ladies with predator face, right? And they're running hot game on the station. And he's like, "Bullshit." And they're like, no, dude, your whole 20% rule, these guys don't give a fuck. They can jam your security. There is this rife black market going on, and you are not getting any of the action off of this. And the administrator's like, no fucking way. And they're like, yeah, way. And we will help you bring these guys into custody. We'll go out there. We'll put our ass on the line, but you need to let my friends go. And you have to agree that if we help you capture these dudes, that you're going to let us go too. And the administrator goes, you're not going to survive it. I've got no skin in this game. If you get fucked up. So sure. I'll let these start. Yeah, like, I just
0: want to punish you too for doing this. So if the result is I actually get some fucking bigger fish or you both die anyway, I'm a winner. So yeah.
1: Neelix goes, Hey, I need some plasma so I can sell the, the con on this. And he says, well, it's not going to be as good as your Voyager plasma. And Neelix is like, it doesn't matter. These guys not getting it. this is a do or die thing. And Neelix is like, suicidal at this point, right? And you start feeling this this liberating frantic mood he's in where you get a much needed emotional journey. And there's been a few times where Neelix has played action hero in the past and it's just kinda come out of the blue like you're saying everything we've been told about Neelix is he's a pussy and that he runs from fights and he's scared. This was the emotional journey we need to see where he finally grows a pair of balls and kind of realizes his potential and, and has a real badass moment. So they go to this uh, late-night um, illegal arms deal, essentially. The station administration is watching on closed camera. All of a sudden, the camera blinks, and he starts getting fed uh, bullshit footage. So it's substantiated that these Kaladi have the ability to jam his signals. And these ugly-ass Kaladi dudes roll up to Wix and Neelix, and Neelix is like, hey, I'm... Uh, I'm Neelix, and here's your plasma. And by the way,
0: you're under arrest. The the sequence after this is, is absolutely fantastic. So clearly the main alien honcho pulls his phaser out, or his whoa, 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 space gat. Do you know what that is? No.
1: That is the same model, and I, I've been looking for it because I, I love this fucking thing. All my Star Trek next-gen knowledge comes from the the CCG right the collectible right. card game and one of the best cards in that was the Veranti disruptor from that Kivas Faggio episode where he kidnaps Data the most toys and it's like mm-hmm. the most painful badass gun in the world and that's what this dude's role is. it's certainly not the Veranti disruptor but it's the same model and I thought those I awesome remember reason. that
0: though I did not recognize the pl- uh, the uh, the prop but I remember the Veranti disruptor from it's that the most episode the
1: painful weapon in the galaxy so yeah that that was really cool to see that that's the gun they gave this guy.
0: And what Neelix says to this guy is, listen, um, I actually took the safeties off that uh, plasma fuel cell that you have in front of you, and it is now filling this entire compartment with plasma particles. And if you shoot your plasma-based weaponry at me, it's going to ignite and kill us all. And, you know, the the message he basically sends this guy as he essentially says, well, then I'll shoot and kill us all. be like, he says... Fucking do it. Do it. Just go ahead. If that means that I get to take out a piece of garbage like you in the process, fair trade, pull the trigger. You pussy do it. He's like,
1: well, I'll just kill you instead. And Neelix is like, well, uh, guess what? I don't give a fuck. And also if you transport out, you're going to get burned alive too. So, uh, either you're going in the space pokey or we're all dying. And I'm perfectly happy with all that because at this point, neelix is pretty convinced that he's going to get kicked off the ship regardless that the jig is up uh and he doesn't really have any chance for redemption so death in this situation is a sweet release and wix is like whoa what the fuck i did not sign up for this uh but luckily station administrator with his ugly ass henchman show up and uh he's like freeze and one of I think when a Tossin's Kalati trader thugs, who also has really cool makeup, uh, foolishly decides he's going to roll the dice on this and try
0: shooting his gun. It creates a giant like green explosion that uh, immediately incinerates the head honcho and uh, uh, blows apart, you know, everybody else kind of out in a cinematic fashion. And then they just kind of smash cut immediately to sick bay. Uh, and with uh, with Neelix kind of laid up, but with no like injuries on him, they were even dirt like, on his outfit. <laughs> th- this felt like a we ran out of money move <laughs> Like that they spent all this money and all this makeup and all these sets and all looked great. But they couldn't they couldn't do a bunch of like burn shit, too, on top of it. And they're like, you know what? You know what? Uh, let's just smash cut to the sick bay after the doctors worked his magic and it's all fine.
1: To be fair, the effect of the bad guy, when he shoots the gun, it's like there's this backdraft, almost like the gun shoots backward, and it starts at his hand and just envelops his entire body in this green infernal flame, and it looks pretty fucking cool. The rest of the explosion looks a little 90s, you know, fire going down the hallway and turning a corner, Um, but that initial death scene looks good, and if that came at the cost of Neelix just laid up in bed on a cop-out makeup there, I can live with it.
0: So the episode wraps on Wix got his shuttle, got away. The station cat uh, masters satisfied with the fact he got the real criminals. Voyager's free to leave. Um, criminality will continue probably the next day here with different drug dealers, but there's not much Voyager can do or one even wants to try and do about it. And, Janeway comes in and as has a good conversation with Neelix of like, what the actual fuck were you thinking doing this? Like, you abused our trusts, all of this. Like, what the fuck were you doing? And he uh he relates his insecurity that, you know, I I couldn't let Voyager go into this expanse without a guide. I'm, and I can't be your guide anymore. I've never been beyond this point. So I needed to find something so that I could replace the value I provide to you to keep you safe. And it's it's not that I needed to be valuable to you. It's his entire attitude has shifted to the point where I needed to protect all of you. And it's a subtle shift, but it's an important one. And Janeway definitely seems to recognize this and pointing out like you, you need to understand that this is not uh, a transactional relationship and you're part of a family as a member of this crew. And we can't, there'll be none of this bullshit from you anymore about thinking that you have to leave or that I'm going to force you off and uh, promptly sends him to like scrub the fucking dude. How do you walk
1: over it? that The, 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 the the biggest part of the whole episode man when she hits him with the line
0: oh oh the uh the, the, the first car- duty of duty every Starfleet Star officer, officer is to the to truth, the truth. Yeah. it's a
1: second th- part of this time <laughs> the thievery of this episode <laughs> the fair trade of this episode you stole nick locarno <laughs> you stole ensign bull Bovix or whatever his name is. Bo- ends in Bowflex. <laughs> you went back to Nick Lacarno's episode. You stole Picard's line verbatim. You got to play the Dark Materia song. Oh, yeah,
0: yeah. The Picard song where it's included. Yeah, you the got it. The first
1: him, duty of every stop- fleet officer is to the truth. She hits him with that straight up. She's like, I'm mad because you lied to us. At no point did you turn to us for help and say, I fucked up. She basically, and again... In the, in the bigger scope of the Star Trek universe, that line got dropped on Wesley Crusher because him and Nick Locarno tried to sweep a Federation cadet death under the rug. It's the same thing that Tom Paris slash Nick Locarno just lectured Neelix on. You, you fuck up and you tell somebody because in the end of the day, we're all magic space friends. And we get through it as a family and you violated that trust. And that's my grievance. It's not that you were part of a drug deal gone wrong and someone died. It's that you didn't realize that we were part of a family. And uh, Neelix is like, I understand. I'll I'll get my shit and I'll leave. Because that's been his fear the whole time. He's going to get drummed off the ship. And Jamie puts her boot down. Like you said, no, 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 it's not that simple. She thinks he's trying to run away from his responsibility. She hasn't realized yet that this has all been a product of his insecurity and fear of leaving. And she's like, no man, you're going to be going to the fucking horse stables and shoveling shit for the next two weeks. And she lays that, you know, the responsibility and his, his, his place in the ship and the punishment that will come with it. And Neelix kind of gets this prideful smile that he's happy to be there. He doesn't say as much, but she sees it on his face and he uh, scurries off and Janeway's kind of left with this knowing smile that, Uh, it's all going to be okay.
0: It's a good end. Like the, the, the way Janeway handles him, the way that they wrote her for that episode, that scene was really well, well done. I mean, borrowing from an iconic Picard moment certainly always helps. Uh, It, it wrapped up Neelix's story arc very nicely for this episode and really kind of established His place on the ship moving forward is not just the yelp of the ship, but as a uh, as a integral part of the crew that uh, his usefulness will expand in the sense that he's got the charisma score that none of his uh, compatriots necessarily has.
1: And while he's not wearing a uniform, which I think is completely especially in light of all this, he should have been in a uniform every episode following this one. Because this shows that he is not a guest on the ship anymore. He's a part of the family. He is a part of the crew, and like you said, he's not just Yelp. He's one of them, and he's in it for the long haul.
0: Yeah, um, oh, dude. You just you, we have to have more of these discount African King outfits. The the Wonder and Majesty would we would be denied. I can't have it. He it's did so look goofy
1: with, after the end of Tuvix when him and um, Tuvok gets split apart and he was in the uniform. It, It was an unsettling sight. I'll give it that. But yeah, it's, it's much needed character growth. It's a good gateway episode into wherever they go with him. There's good continuity in the episode. Again, I really like Wix at the end of the day. Wix really was someone who was trying to improve their life and be a good guy. There were several opportunities for Wix to escalate things beyond emotional abuse. He could have killed Neelix and, and, shut him up that way so he couldn't rat him out he could have actually thrown tom and chakotay under the bus to you know deal with the crime that he committed he could have double crossed neelix uh during the final plasma deal he could refuse to out himself as an actual murder there's a lot of ways he could have been a much worse person but at the end of the day he went along with neelix's what i feel to be Overly optimistic plan to throw himself at the feet and walk into this suicidal shootout and uh, prove that yeah he he wanted to be a good guy. The one failing of this episode comes in the deleted scenes. This episode was supposed to prior to Neelix going off for his his suicide mission to have a conversation with Kess and say, hey, you know I know we've kind of drifted apart, but I want you to know that we'll always be friends and I'll always you know hold you dear. And I guess, according to the Memory Alpha notes, she reciprocates that. But ultimately, they cut it for time and never actually get around to airing that scene. And that's what I think um, the actor for Neelix, I'm blanking on his name right now, uh, brought up at Dragon Con that it was a big regret of his that they never really give that closure.
0: I'm surprised that they didn't find a way to fit that into another episode. They had a lot of time, like, you know, the... Cass isn't off the ship until the beginning of the fourth season. And, you know, that wouldn't be the first time that they shot something and then kind of put it into a different spot. Absolutely. You know? Yep. It feels like something they really needed to do after spending so much time developing that relationship to just never address it. And I get, maybe they felt they couldn't fit it into this episode. And, you know, maybe I've, you know, no one's ever seen it, so I don't know if the tone would have fit someplace else or not. But yeah, it's a real miss that they shot that, didn't use it, and then never t- went back and tried to reestablish a uh, a coda uh, to that relationship and just kind of let it just like, oh, all right, it's just over what you saw gonna, in Warlord was the
1: end. I'm going to venture a guess that sometime between now and the beginning of the fourth season we're going to have a couple of dud episodes that are just boring shit episodes where they could have really easily fit that in. So we'll see.
0: All right, man. So while we have a bit of a break here, what is the episode we'll be watching when we, uh, reconvene this hateful voyage through the Delta quadrant.
1: We're going to be coming back on season three, episode 14 alter ego. We have, uh, Tuvok sitting in front of what looks like his collection of popsicle sticks that he has glued into a sphere. Okay. Harry Kim finds himself in love with Mariana, a character from Neelix's Polynesian Resort holodeck program. Uh, Actually, Netflix description. That holodeck program is Talaxian, not Polynesian. This sounds like a terrible episode. (laughs)
0: I'm glad we could spend the next several weeks ruminating to ourselves about how Harry Kim's going to fall in love with his vibrator. (laughs) (laughs) That's uh, that's exactly where I think that we need to be in our headspace. Is she one of the volleyball girls? I mean, you know, it's one thing to enjoy your sex toys. It's another thing to have an emotional attachment to them. (laughs) But, uh, you know.
1: I don't think you're ever going to do any better than the love triangle that Riker fell into with Minuet and I think Minuet got some great mileage in TNG later appearing as his wife in future imperfect Romulan holodeck ruse
0: I don't talk about good continuity that was a call back wasn't it though
1: I mean that was season five maybe season four going all the way back to like early season one yeah so I don't know if Kim wasn't even in this episode at all was he no, no Harry Kim whatsoever. There was barely any cast either. But uh, yeah, I don't know if I need to see him falling in love. I don't know if I need to see anybody falling in love with a fucking holiday character. So I don't know. We'll see. But again, this was an uncharacteristic, uncharacteristically excellent episode for Voyager. Even among some of the other really good episodes this season, like like all the good episodes, I feel like a Voyager this season have been good in ways that they've never explored before, like the pure action angle of warlord and the, uh, microcosm, the narrative kind of crime adventure that, that Neelix goes on here. They're doing some new stuff and I like it.
0: There's only really been two good episodes though. If I'm going to be honest with you, um, I, I feel like fair trade and warlord are the only two truly, um, top-notch episodes when you look well no okay i take it back the shoot the there's shoot? also the shoot
1: I, listen dude i like that macro i was that
0: wood. the the shoot was good no doubter uh the uh warlord was good and this is good but let's the other episodes that we watched basics part two fucking garbage uh flashback garbage false prophets was garf- garbage garbage F- false prophets if it weren't for the q in the gray uh, like bottom three material um remember muddled not that great sacred you know, ground I liked remembered I, I you no you didn't <laughs> no you didn't Senator Bob Kelly was't a Goddamn it that's true I mean let's not oversell like season, three has, undersell
1: had,
0: season three has under season three line
1: of cords like, is sexy dreams okay
0: but you know you know what let us continue this discussion. Sir, in a few weeks' time, after we get some uh, Harry Kim lusting after a sex toy. And see how you feel about season three then. How about that, huh? All right, everybody, thanks for sticking with us through this first 55 episodes of our journey through Voyager, and we'll be back in just a few weeks with number 56. See ya.